you really mustn't, darling. I... Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Can I Comment? Today I'm excited because Jake and I talked to Jack Mooring, who is the man behind my favorite Instagram account, Brother Terry. The handle is at Brother Terry website. And um, man, not only is Jack hilarious, he is insanely smart. And so today we have uh, a great conversation with him using the book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Carl Truman as a jumping off point. So before jumping into this conversation, I want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And do us a huge favor, rate the show, leave us a kind review, and share it around to people who you think would be into it. We've got, um, man, a really exciting announcement about the future of the podcast coming up soon. So make sure and follow us on Instagram. That handle is la.church to stay up to date on all that is happening. Okay, so enough for me. Let's jump into our conversation with Jack Mooring, aka Brother Terry. Wish I could say that I discovered you through being Jack Mooring. Um, <laughs> and I want to get to having, we want to get to having like a real serious theological conversation here in a second. Yes. But, um, there's no greater fan of Brother Terry than me. So <laughs> I just need you to know that this is like, this is the equivalent of me talking to Benny Hinn when I was in high school. <laughs> so were you a big Benny Hinn? No, I, I was not a big Benny Hinn. I did go to a Benny Hinn crusade one time. How was that? Uh, at Reunion Arena in Dallas. Okay. And they called up, I was a, a, a youth pastor and they called up all the youth pastors mm. onto the stage mm -hmm. and he did the full like wave hand. Did he hit you with his jacket? No, he just did the hand wave. Uh-huh. And everybody fell over except for me. You've always been that way, Michael. And you know so what your problem is, Michael? You just won't submit. You just won't submit. <laughs> You've got to soften your heart, bro. Hi, that's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> you you need to go. You need to just learn what the spirit is doing. Yeah, I know. And stop resisting. I know. That's that's really it. I um. But we, I we, found. We, go ahead. No, we 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 call it instead of a Jezebel spirit. That's a Jezebob spirit, bro. Jezebob. Jezebob. Yes. Perfect. I've been searching for the language all these years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't even remember, man, how I came across you on Instagram. But uh, the first thing was, <laughs> I thought, this is my friend, Tyler Ellison. Shout out Tyler Ellison. Um, <laughs> Tyler. And I literally hit him up and was like, this guy's you and you are him. And he was like, oh, I already know Jack. We've been <laughs> chatting or whatever. Um, so, okay. Talk to us about Brother Terry. How did that come yeah. about? And and you nailed this. Like you've obviously grown up around that or studied that because you got it. You got it figured out, dude. It's well, it's it's my childhood. I mean, like I. So we grew up in ministry. Like uh, definitely grew up charismatic, and I, I'm kind of like the full circle charismatic. Like I left the fold, and I've kind of come back, you know, to the mm -hmm. fold. But but um, yeah, like I, our childhood, we grew up in sort of just Pentecostal meetings. So it's kind of a collection of like all like the you know. Pentecostal evangelist I was around and it's sort of obviously it's a it's an amped up kind of caricature mm -hmm. uh satire a little bit but I think it started like so in the Leland band like we were in the band van one time and we were just delirious we were so tired like it was like six o'clock in the morning we're driving to something to load in and I, I just started doing it like, I just kind of came out of me like the southern kind of like televangelist thing mm -hmm. and the guy the guys in the band were like 
crying laughing and it just kind of became a, a little band thing and then like i don't know like maybe like 2012 or something like that i was like i'll just do a, a private instagram account for just all my friends who know brother terry because i was kind of too embarrassed to like go public with it mm-hmm. uh and uh then i was like you know i'm just gonna go public i don't care so uh <laughs> and so i still do it i don't know how i get away with it like it's amazing like i i and like all these pastors follow it and they're like how is he allowed to do this like how how can he have this account and also pastor a church but i i don't know how i'm able to do it but it's it's fun it's it's free therapy for me is what it is man right right that's what i was going to ask is like now planning a church have you been like oh maybe i should like cut back on this or are you just like going to keep keep going cuz i love it and it's not cynical it's no, not like it's you're not being cynical. mean yeah. it's just right. the person who gets it really gets it yeah. you know <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna keep doing it just just for me like like uh, just because it's fun. But I, I I think yeah like um we we, we got to learn to laugh at ourselves a little bit and yeah. and and I do I, I I try there is a line like I I, I try not to cross uh, uh I try to keep it just fun and happy and not cynical you know mm-hmm. yeah. and it was so funny because like like there's quite a few things that Brother Terry believes that I absolutely believe. Uh, <laughs> and, and there's certain things that, that are like, I, I, I don't agree with brother Terry on at all. So, so, uh, I love I guess, that you're talking about him. Like yeah. he's a real person. He, he, guys, he has absolutely become like a mythical, like Forrest Gump type of a person. There is like, there's like a Tolkien, like legendarium kind of a situation going yeah. on for brother Terry. I've got like a backstory, like all the things, man, it's, it's yes. a deep character. You don't have to say <laughs> who because that we wouldn't want to do that. But are there like when you think of Brother Terry, are there specific yeah, people that question. you've thought of? Uh, who's your inspiration? Who's your inspiration? Like, you don't have to name anybody. You don't do have you to have say. You don't have to say. But like during COVID, I got caught up watching uh, Mike Murdoch live streams, and <laughs> I see so much of Mike Murdoch yeah. and Brother Terry. Oh yeah, M- Murdoch's definitely an inspo. You know, okay. I, I have I have the the eighty three keys to wisdom somewhere on <laughs> my shelf right here. Yes. You know, so. Is that an actual book? He, yeah, I think he's written like what ten thousand books or something like that. He has, man. He's prolific. He's prolific. prolific. So. That was the word that came to mind. Yeah, <laughs> but so again, you don't have to say, but I'm sure there are specific people, or is it just uh, an amalgamation? It, it's definitely an amalgamation. I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm really not going after like a couple guys. I honestly, I'm not. Like it really, it's in my bones. Like I've been in so many meetings, like growing up, and like. The, the, there's a particular style of like teaching in the in the charismatic world that's like it's basically like storytelling yep. and it's brilliant it's mm-hmm. so engaging and like it pulls you in and there's a lot of really really good things about it but then there's there's like the funny things about it too that's so like like the name dropping it was yes. always so good you know I was like a, yeah i was about to say that like the uh the name dropping mentioning all like the powerful people that were in the room um <laughs> mentioning like the name of the restaurant or the name of the hotel it's like it seems like these very like um random things but it's not like that's literally it's a feature kinds of pastors that yeah. i grew up around right it's a- such, absolutely it's it's, yeah. it's it's how they would teach and like and and like uh, on the healthy side of it, it was always really cool and encouraging going like so, so sometimes it would be like, oh, man, that's an amazing testimony. And I want to live like that. But then like sometimes it's just like it kind of gets out of hand and, and mm-hmm. ridiculous as 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 a, a, every side of the church does. Right. Yeah. Has anyone reached out like upset? Like, has there been any pastors that have been like, man, this is this is over the line or has everyone been super supportive? No, like it's so funny. I have not gotten one uh, uh, like DM or like hate mail thing. I, I'm I'm so shocked. It's crazy. 
I, I actually though there, there was there was this one time it wasn't really like negative, but I did a tweet like about like basically I created a, a Twitter account for military and it's not really active, but so I posted like a screenshot of the tweet and I think the screenshot was something about how like uh uh <laughs> the Harry Potter series was actually uh um uh, Xi Jinping like uh working with JK <laughs> Rowling and it was actually like a, a communist uh <laughs> sort of like plan to and then but 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 tr- but but Trump was actually actually he knew all about it and and, and he's coming for him and it, so like so it was it was just funny and then and so this, this one lady she she posted a comment she said this is not funny or cute <laughs> and so but that <laughs> that's the worst that's the worst it's gotten yeah that's amazing well that's not too bad yeah no, I, I mean, I look, I think the reason why it resonates so well is because it's playful, right? It's it, not cynical. It, it never feels like you're yeah. really taking a shot. It, yeah. it really is like this is. It's, um, yeah. it's what fun. is the handle so people can check it out? Uh, Bro Terry website. So B-R-O-T-E-R-Y website. And, and that's another thing. He, he He's convinced that it's his website. Like, so like he asked his nephew who's techie to build him a website for his international ministry. And basically like his nephew basically just threw up an Instagram account. And so Bro Terry thinks... <laughs> He thinks he has like this worldwide website, but it's really just his nephew throwing videos on an Instagram account. Oh, that's perfect. Bro Terry website. They can become a monthly, uh, monthly uh, prayer partner and supporter and all this stuff. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Um, So uh, I reached out too, because you recently right around the same time. uh, So basically the way that this works is uh, Jake is really smart. He reads a lot of really theologically (laughs) dense books. And then I just ask him questions about it, right? Yes. So I, it's like I'm, I understand theology by proxy. No, but Dude. around the same time, but I'm actually not that smart. Just to be clear, <laughs> Jake, we're just asking you questions today. That's all we're gonna do. Exactly, no, 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 we're asking you questions. <laughs> Look at your bookshelf. My my bookshelf is literally on here. On um, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> That's how smart I am. Um, but I did notice you guys were reading uh, the Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self mm-hmm. um, by Carl Truman. At around the same time, I have the book. Mm-hmm. I'm about 25 pages into the book. You've had the book um, for like a year. Yeah. I, I buy a lot of books. I read the first 25, 30 pages. Okay. And this then is my where ADD, you go wrong. then I get another one. No, no, no. This is where you, you know? go wrong. Mm-hmm. This is why you need to switch to digital books. Instead of wasting money on buying the book, but then finding out that you don't actually want to read it, you just download the sample. Yeah. But here's the thing. If I, if I don't buy the book, then I don't have it to display. Uh, wherever I need to display it. Got it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it kidding. looks like you're smart. <laughs> that, that, that's exactly right. I mean, like that, that's literally what I've been doing my entire life. I buy books literally just to have them in rooms. That's all. Yeah, I guess that's, my, that's my version of that is I take screenshots and post them on my Instagram so people think I'm really smart. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> um, but I do want to talk about that book. Um, and we can just sort of like, I would love to hear just you guys' different perspective. I know, Jack, you kind of did some, I think, some Instagram lives where it seems like you were just kind of sharing like your reflections as you, oh, as you read it. Um, and I know, Jake, you, you did the same. And just in terms of like, I did not. And just in terms of reflecting on it, reading it, talking about it. I let it bleed out in my preaching. Yeah. That, oh, that was it. <laughs> yes. That was it. Uh, always. Um, <laughs> but Jack, why don't you just give us like, um, just a, I don't know, like a brief overview of like here, I suppose, is like the thesis of of what he was trying to say. And then let's just jump into Great. talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like yeah, when I, we actually one day have Carl Truman on our podcast, mm-hmm. we're going to be able to tell him, just so you know, we've talked about your book in at least 17 different episodes. Exactly. Now it's great it's to exactly talk right. to you. It's like, yeah, <laughs> t- totally. I, I would love to meet him. He, yeah, he's, he's obviously a brilliant guy. 
But yeah, so I, I heard about the book to my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law reads way more books than me. Uh, and we always kind of have a going like competition a little bit, but that he always beats me every year. But anyways, like, so I, and a lot of smart people that I really respect have been re- reading it. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll put it in my reading list and, and kind of go for it. I, I think, you know, it, it's, it's a challenging book. It's not like just like a, um, it's, it's not, a, I wouldn't call it an easy read, but it's, but it's an accessible read. Um, yeah. it, it'll, it'll challenge you, but, uh, it's not like an academic, uh, yeah. tome that like, you know, you have to have be a scholar to, right. to figure out. You just it, it just challenges you a little more, and you got to stick with it. But like, yeah. um, you know, for for me, like he said, he said he basically the, the whole thing he said started off with with hearing a phrase. Um, uh, he, I am he, a man. Yes, I'm a man trapped trapped in a woman's body. Mm. And basically, he was like saying, "How can I? Ex- how did that phrase become? You know." normal and acceptable in our society. And, and he said, uh, you know, obviously 50 years ago, uh, that if, if you would have said that phrase, it would have raised eyebrows. People would not have understood it. But he said, now, not only do, you know, uh, philosophers kind of think that that's, that's a normal statement, you know, our, our next door neighbors do. And it's, it's really kind of, it's just become a normal part of modern society. And so it's kind of a, how, how do we get here book a little bit? And, uh, what this, this is what I, my favorite thing about the book is that it's not like, it's it's not a polemic. It's not him just like yelling at the big bad world, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very kind, and uh, he sort of is dispassionate, really, in the way he he relays these ideas, you know. Um, and he also says that it's not a lament either, because there's a lot of books just l- lamenting what's going on in the world, and he's just going, "Hey, let's just calmly uh, um, research how do we get here philosophically, politically, uh, and and so I feel like he's even he's really fair and kind to even someone like a Russo people that we disagree with on a lot of things. He was like, I hope if Russo would have read my section on him, that Russo would go, Hey, that's a fair treatment. And so I I think it's just, uh, you know, in an age where we kind of have the straw man, like finger pointing thing, it was actually really refreshing because he's, you know, um, just the way he representing people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like I, I feel like he's really respectful in in how he he talks about these other people, and yeah, we, we can just get a little you know snooty as Christians sometimes, and um, you know look down our noses at the big bad world, and I, I think he's uh, you, you you know he completely disagrees with a lot of these ideas, but uh, he's mm-hmm. he showed a lot of discipline in the way he he, he talked yeah, about them. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you know well, why? Did- yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask, I mean, so aside from, and I guess we can get into some of the kind of the finer points of the book, but I think yeah. it was interesting that you, so you're in Nashville, you're or in Franklin, you're about to plant a church and kind of semi-recently, it was the book that you said, I want to, I mean, I'm sure you read a lot of books, but this was the book that you felt like, hey, I want to like go on my social media and I just want to talk about what I'm learning about it. Like, what was it about that book specifically or the message of it that you thought was so important? Um yeah. Well, I, I, I think, I think if you're a pastor or a leader, or just obviously if you're a Christian, uh, in the 21st century West, this is a topic we're going to have to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just sort of felt the need as a pastor to, to prepare myself, honestly, uh, for the coming decade. Um, because I think it's going to be a big feature of our conversations and how we engage with society. This idea of sex, pr- particularly. It's expression uh, in, in the T of LGBTQ, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, tr- uh, the, the transgender kind of movement. I, I think it's something we need to understand and be able to talk about. Uh, and so that's why I felt it was really important, especially going into this new season of pastoring, um, because it's not that um, I know you guys are in L.A. You know, we're 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 in 
south of Nashville. So we're, we're kind of like uh, Williamson County is pretty conservative for the most mm-hmm. part uh, politically. Um, but even still, like I, th- there's kind of no place in the country where, where th- this isn't a big topic, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you have uh, preteens now. Like This is a big feature of their life, uh, mm-hmm. uh, this this topic of sexual identity. So mm-hmm. I've just felt as a pastor, it was important to try to wrap my head around it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's uh, a movement even in um, secularism that uh, Christianity would share a bit in common with in terms of, I guess, um, drawing some attention to the uh, the ultimate effects of the transgender movement. Um, I, I'm like thinking of Abigail Schreier, her book, Irreversible Damage. I don't know if you read that. Nope. Um, I just actually recently downloaded another. I oh, know that was a Christian one. Abigail Schreier is not a believer, and she took a lot of heat for a book she released last year that was just asking uh, the question, why is this happening? Because uh, the the occurrence of somebody coming out as trans has, uh, and this is what the data shows, skyrocketed in the last yeah. decade, um, particularly among uh, uh, teen and and I believe college age uh, girls and women, um, and it's happening in really uh, you—it's happening in really unusual ways now. So before it was like a person saying, "Hey, this is something that I'm experiencing," and now it's like entire friend groups coming mm-hmm. out as transgender together, right. mm-hmm. um, which is a- any uh, psychologist, sociologist. Yeah, anthropologists like yeah, oh, all, all, of Trump, all of them worth their salt is going to go. This this is not how this historically has worked, mm-hmm. um, and so there's obviously something deeper at play here than a uh, cut and dry true gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and Carl I, Truman I, does a great job explaining uh, psychologically all the movements that have happened independently of one another, but also that have worked cohesively together to bring us to the point where we're at now. Right, right. You're right. I mean, there's so much under the surface of what's going on right now. And that, that, that's a great point because, and that's really what Truman spends most of the book doing is kind of giving us a, a history uh, of how we got here. And, um, you know, he, 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 and, and the, the first chapter of the book, even the first chapter of the book is incredibly helpful. He, he, he relays the ideas of Philip Reef, who's, I think he's a sociologist or philosopher, mm-hmm. I don't know what his title is, but, uh, um, you know, Reef kind of talks about the, the psychologizing of self. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's really the big idea throughout the whole book. I, I, Jake, I don't know if that, that was your takeaway on it, but yeah, for me, like, like the, the sort of, uh, in, internalization of happiness and so the, the, the psychologizing of happiness was really the root of what got us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what, what's also interesting too, as a Christian, uh, it was, it was, you know, convicting as well. Uh, uh, you know, he's, he basically says like, you know, we can look at the world and go, Oh, they're, they're the ex- expressive individualists. Mm-hmm. They're the ones trying to express themselves. And, and he says, no, if, if you're, if you're breathing air in the 21st century in the West, you're, you're an expressive individualist mm-hmm. too, whether you realize it or not mm-hmm. to varying degrees. And so and you I, prioritize what I guess it's Charles Taylor, the therapeutic self. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so, so I, I, I think that's, that was actually really cool to give us a little more humility on this topic as a church, mm-hmm. um, saying like, you know, yeah, we, we might not express the, the, the self-expression in terms of, you know, transgenderism, but in our own kind of religious ways, we, we, we can be, uh, um, have self-expression as our highest value. Yes. Um, 
and it's uh, unhealthy. Let's pause on that for a moment because I remember reading that in the book and finding that like a bit confronting and being like, ah, oh, Carl, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in what ways do you think uh, we in the 21st century West do that as Christians? Well, uh, uh, we, we just use different terminology. We, we use terminology of this is my calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- there, there is genuine biblical calling. And, and, and but I actually like the word vocation more because I think, you know, calling can get so ethereal mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 we use it as this kind of blanket statement to just kind of do whatever we feel like. Wow. Mm, maybe we even do. like a, a God told me. Uh, right. Kind of. Right. Phraseology, yeah. And, and essentially and, what we're doing, I guess, just to unpack the terms like expressive individualism, the psychological self, the therapeutic self, they're kind of all, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's been a minute since I read the book, but kind of all different names for the same thing yeah. in that we are taking what we feel and, and think within and um, wanting to live in a way so that we make, re- we make external circumstances come into accordance with our feelings. Because that's right. what we've been told is going to make us happy. Right. He, he, he actually uses an example. Uh, Truman goes, he said, okay, he said, if, if you would have asked, he said, my grandfather worked in like a steel mill in like Manchester in England, like, you know, however long ago it was. He said, if you would have asked my grandfather, uh, are you satisfied with your job? Um, he said, that would have been an odd question to my, my grandfather, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, he, he said, he said, you would probably wouldn't have really understood the question where that was coming from first, but. He said, after he would have thought about it, he would have said, well, you know, it provides for my family. Um, you know, I'm able to su- help my community by giving this service. Uh, it's a stable job. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm satisfied with my job. Right. Well, he says, you know, if you were to ask that question to someone now, that's a very different question. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's an emotional question. Uh, of psych- It's a psychological question. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've, we've, we've redefined satisfaction and happiness as something completely inter- internal that's from our emotions. Mm-hmm. And whereas happiness in previous generations was more complex of an issue, it involved the community, involved responsibility. And so uh, um, fulfillment di- didn't just come from your emotional expression and how you felt. It also came from uh, things outside of you, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, your responsibility to the community and vocation and work. Um, so, 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 yeah, like the, the, it, there, there has over the past hundred years been this change that happiness has gone gone hundred percent psychological mm-hmm. uh, and internal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess to bring that full circle into the subject of gender and sexuality, um, then what I feel and what I think that becomes the priority. And therefore, uh, if that is out of alignment with my, my biological gender, then yes. I need to uh, adapt my biological gender to my feelings and my thoughts. Yes. Um, and, and that, that's really, it, it took us a while to get there for, for it to express itself mm-hmm. in, in the sexual realm. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was this sort of incrementalism that got us to the place where, where, where that has happening is happening on a mass degree. And that's, know? I think even Carl Truman makes the point in the book, or maybe I just heard him talk about this on a podcast about the book where he talks about like, why did I start where I started? Cause I think in the book, he starts with uh, Rousseau, um, I know he traces like a lot of lines through Karl Marx, uh, yeah. um, uh, Freud, and um, uh, who else am I looking for? Uh, uh, Wilhelm Reich, uh, Herbert Marcuse, uh, Darwin. Darwin. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a really prominent figure. Um, but he talks about like, why did I start there? Because 
this kind of separation between like matter and mind or um like to use like francis schaeffer's terminology of like lower story and upper story uh yeah uh physical matter evil you know spiritual reality good like that goes so far back i mean even to the time of christ um and one of the earliest heresies that the church was fighting against was Gnosticism. And yeah. one of the core beliefs in Gnosticism was the belief that uh, material things are inherently lesser or even evil, um, which actually came out, I believe, out of a, a theological belief that they had, that there was like a lesser God who was assigned to the material realm and salvation or or uh, realization or whatever you know word you use is basically getting free of the constraints of matter um, so that I can live at a higher realm. And that's what we're experiencing today. It's just a 2000 years later. It's a, it's a version of that. I'm constricted by my body. I'm constricted by societal norms. I'm restricted by all these, you know, Rousseau said, man is born free and everywhere he is in chains. That's the mentality. And so how do I break free of those chains? And I think what we see as the truest self is the psychological self. Um, whereas the Christian ethic would come in and say, well, your mind is not as healthy as you think it is. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and the heart is deceitful um, and and wicked, and those are some confronting things to a modern day society. Um, but ultimately, our belief is that that's what's going to lead us into uh, uh, true freedom. Yeah, you know, uh, Keller said something really good on this. Timothy Keller did. Um, he said when, when he went to New York in the '90s or, or the '80s, planting a church there. He said he said now now this. The, the sort of national uh, thing that we're facing with the church right now is this identity, right? He said well, in New York in the 80s, he said it wasn't really identity. It was more about freedom. He said people were like, hey, I'm going to leave the small town. I'm going to the big city. I'm going to make it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he said, so he said, I, I had to to preach the gospel for, for that, apply it to that specific issue of freedom. And Keller's so good on that. He, he talks about how, like, he said, we have to show people that what they're looking for uh, in the world is they're actually going to get the exact opposite, uh, and, and show them that actually what they're looking for is in Christ, it's in the gospel. And so, um, you know, he used this example of like, you know, you're leaving the small town to go experience freedom in the big city and, and make it big as an actress or something. Well, then you, you have a new slavery, you know, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> maybe like a body image or like this pressure to like look a certain way to be, to be this big actress. So he says, you just have a, a new form of, of chains and, and freedom can only be found in Christ. So I, I think we like why it's important to understand the history of, of that, that Truman lays out in the book is I think as, as, as Christians, we can say, Hey, like you're looking for identity and you're actually not going to find true identity in the way the world's trying to give it to you right now. Mm-hmm. You find your true identity in Christ and in, mm-hmm. in his ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so, so, so yeah, I, I, I think, I think, yeah, it really is. That's why it's so helpful to kind of dive, dive into this stuff. It's a very sobering thought too to be confronted with the reality that, um, if left unchecked, our thinking is not as free as we think it is. Right. And that actually we are, we think as a product of, of various movements that come together throughout history, you know, like the influence of, of, uh, previous generations thought, philosophical thought. Whether we've ever, I think you even talked about this, like whether you've ever read Rousseau, whether you've ever read Marx, right? It, it almost doesn't matter. You're, these are yes. the waters that you're swimming in, the air that you're breathing. And Christianity is just as much a redemption of the mind as it is a redemption of the body. That's what I love about Christianity is that it values both. Right. 
God valued the body the moment he became incarnate in Christ. He affirmed his value of the body the moment he resurrected as a real body, not just as an ethereal spirit. Yes. Um, God values the mind. You know, when Paul talks about renewing your mind, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think Christianity is so powerful in that, is that it's a holistic, but there is, we don't want to separate the matter from the spiritual. It's God is very involved in, committed to the redemption of both. Yeah. When Truman ta- talks about this idea of therapy, uh, how, you know, the, the, the new therapy is, is when, when we hear the word therapy, we think of, you know, a, a psychologist, mm-hmm. a therapist, and we, we think of it just purely in the psychology, psychological realm. But really, you know, th- therapy, you know, before the, the new therapeutic age, uh, a, a priest um, uh, was a therapist, mm-hmm. you know, um, that that the, the Bible itself, the therapy is was simply something from the outside that, that shaped you. Uh, and molded you. And so, mm-hmm. uh, the old catechisms. Mm-hmm. And so, so like g- getting back to the word of God of going like, yeah, we can't just trust our, like our emotions are important. God gave us our emotions. And I think there's been a lot of healthy stuff happening in the church on that side, but ultimately our emotions aren't going to lead us, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to, to, to truth, uh, the word of God will. And sort of submitting ourselves to, to that form, that therapy, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the therapy of Christ's word that forms us and shapes us mm-hmm. and shapes our loves. Yeah. It's not an accident. I think other than Rousseau, who I believe was a pretty committed believer. Um, do I have that right? Well, he, he certainly, I, I, I don't know where he landed in his, his later days, but I mean, he certainly grew up in like Genevan reformed, you know, right. uh, tradition for sure. I remember, I can't remember where I read this, but I think with some of his, I could be thinking of an entirely of another individual, but uh, I think around that same time, some of the philosophical thought wasn't intending to divorce itself from Christian truth. They just didn't fully think through the logical implications of um, the ideas that they were putting out there. Um, but right. that's not the, that's, that's probably more the exception to the rule. The rule is that most of these uh, people are, um, they're not believers. They don't hold to biblical truth. Um, and that's not an accident because as soon as you remove objective truth, then you have to appeal to something to be your authority. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And you and, kind of then get to choose, you know? Well, that's what Truman out, outlines in the book. He says, you know, Rousseau and the romantics, they, they did a lot, a lot to remove us from objective truth into subjective feeling, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but he said, but Nietzsche comes along and he kind of calls all their mm-hmm. bluff and he, he just took yeah. it to its logical end. And he goes, Hey, yeah. You guys are being kind of sweet. You're kind of beating around the bush with this thing. Let's just be honest, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Nietzsche, I think, is um, decades and decades and decades and decades ahead, right? In terms of seeing where this was ultimately going to lead, the denial of God. Um, you killed God. Is, I think that was like <laughs> part of his essay. Like you murdered God with your thinking and you haven't been honest about what that means in terms of, yeah. you know, morality and, and meaning and all that. Totally. Yeah, and and that that that, that gives us a, a also a, I think a, a an, an extra impetus of like like the the urgency of the matter as well. Like to, we're to be uh, at once kind and compassionate in how we talk about these issues, but also in our hearts prayerful about like and understand kind of where this really does come from. It it, it is you know Nietzsche was just the most obvious about all of it. It it, it is at root a resistance against God and His truth, and it is antichrist. Um, it is an antichrist in its nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why when I think when people hear um, like this, okay, so this is like a, a 
probably a good connection, right? So like uh, Mark Driscoll did the whole uh, critical theory versus Christian theology mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And obviously a lot of people have very strong feelings about Mark Driscoll um, uh, one way or the other. But he's using phrase-y, phraseology like, you know, demonic doctrine mm-hmm. and Satan has critical theory. And I think people conflate cr- critical theory with um, automatically being equal to critical race theory, which is something within the larger umbrella of critical theory. Um, but even in saying that, I think CRT is uh, n- not a, a good solution at all for societal ills. But um, a doctrine can be demonic, and that does not mean that we think somebody has been sitting in like the devil's lair concocting mm-hmm. you know, intentionally satanic ideas for the purpose of getting people to worship Satan. Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. more the belief that uh, uh, perhaps nothing is neutral, and if an ideology is not in formed and influenced by a biblical worldview, then it opens itself to become the doctrine of demons. Because uh, what I gather from the New Testament is that I'm an amillennialist. So I I believe that Satan, uh, uh, to a certain degree, is bound in some sense, but is still granted um, permission by God for certain levels of influence in in society. But uh, to whatever degree he has allowed influence, he certainly uses it. And that influence is often on the influence of thought. Um, and I think the devil is very interested in steering the the thoughts, not just of people, but of societies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it is fair to say that these ideas, they are they're not just antichrist ideas, they're demonic doctrines that lead people into bondage and not into freedom. Yeah. Uh, the, and Truman talks about the, even in art, um, these he calls them death works. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, th- there was actually, it's crazy. There was some artist, I can't remember the name, but he actually literally put a cross in like a vat of his own urine. It's like, it, mm-hmm. it was this mm-hmm. intentionally shocking, mm-hmm. um, you know, thing that he did. And so he said, he, that, that's a real dramatic version of it. But he said, you know, a lot of art in our culture, uh, they're, they're death works. I mean, they're, they're basically, uh, it, it is anti-Christ in its nature. But but it, it it doesn't look that way or feel that way because it's not as dramatic as a cross floating in a you know mm-hmm. a pool of <laughs> of urine you know uh, but so 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 yeah I I do think you know what one of my as guy a guy I really look up to Dr George Grant he's actually here in in town he says something really cool he said you know we're called to resist and reform mm-hmm. and he said uh, he said that's really the solution is doing both he said so we we should resist we should like either there's the wheat and the tares right. Mm-hmm. And he said, we should just become more wheat-like, you know? Mm-hmm. We should just be more obviously wheat-like. And so there is some separation. There is some resisting mm-hmm. of the culture. And I, I think that's that's something, you know, we should talk about more in our generation of going, like, how do we lovingly and healthily mm-hmm. look different than the world, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So the resist. But also there's the, there's the reform piece of like going into society and, and through the love of Jesus, serving and transforming society right so yes it's both it's resist and reform and yeah. so like so it, it, on this topic of sex i think it's it is complex because i i, I would like to just run from it and not talk about it you right. know resist and retreat uh, resist and retreat man but like but but we're called to resist and reform yeah so, so we have prayerfully engaged with it yeah mm-hmm. which hasn't always been the impulse of christians that sometimes the impulse has been the retreat um, right and uh i've i've I would say I squarely agree with you. I, I think culture is something for us to engage with and to faithfully witness to. And I would love to see, you know, I'm a local church pastor just like you, and I would love to see more and more people in our church 
just continuing to press into their sphere, you know, wherever they're at in society and um, resist and be unapologetic in terms of offering up an alternative way, which is what the way of Christ is. It's an alternative way to all the societal norms. Yes. Yeah. Was, in, in, go, go, go ahead, Michael. No, 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 go ahead. Cause I was going to, I was going to okay. take us into a, a practical application, but, but go for it. Well, yeah, no, I, I think that, and at the end, that's where Truman kind of lands too. Uh, at the end of the book, like it, it he kind of paints kind of a bleak picture for the church at first towards the end of the book going like, Hey, like mm-hmm. we kind of lost this battle culturally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I agree with him on that. I mean, like, mm-hmm. like, you know, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. I was like, you know, the you culture know, war's over. The culture war's over, you know, mm-hmm. like in terms of us muting this stuff and society, that's just, it's, it's no way. Mm-hmm. But so, so he actually kind of like compares the church right now to the second century church. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, we basically need to have the same strategy that they did, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is pretty, pretty interesting. Um, and if you guys don't mind, I've, there's a little quote here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you guys don't mind me reading it, go for it. Not at all. Uh, he said, he said, in the second century, the church was a marginal sect with a with a dominant uh, within a dominant pluralistic society. Mm-hmm. She was under suspicion, not because her central dogmas were supernatural, but because she appeared subversive in claiming Jesus as king, mm-hmm. and was viewed as immoral in her talk of eating and drinking human flesh and blood and expressing. Uh, incestuous sounding love between brothers and sisters. Uh, he says, this is where we are today. Uh, the story told uh, in the early parts of this book are about how our pluralistic society uh, has slowly but surely adopted beliefs, particularly beliefs about sexuality identity that render Christianity as immoral. Immoral, mm-hmm. exactly. And, and that is the key to understand. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's not it's, it's, it's not that Christian ideas right now are considered as alternative old-fashioned or alternative or regressive they're they're actually evil and immoral yes and so he said that's how the church was viewed in the second century exactly uh and and he says says we we've got to prepare for a world where we're viewed that way i think it's mark sayers that talks about how we're in a moment you know it's post-christian right now and i think he he draws the connection that post-christianity is not all that different than pre-christianity and so our we're kind of come full circle and so our approach needs to be the same and that we uh, we embrace living a subversive lifestyle preaching a subversive message um but i think practicing the the love of enemy um which is like that is the most subversive christian thing that we have is like not right. seeking vengeance mm-hmm. um but but loving our enemies and uh that's how the early church they did a better job at loving people than society did mm-hmm. and so people were drawn um, to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And that was going to kind of, I, I mean, I love that. And it, it kind of really leads me into how, how I want to close just so we're talking about kind of these like big high level philosophical ideas, but we're, like you said, local church pastors, you guys are both senior pastors. I lead a church location. A lot of the people that listen to this, um, are either pastors, leaders, um, in their church. Um, how, what are some really like practical ways to, kind of have these conversations with people through discipleship, through conversations so that we're not like, read this book, here's all these ideas, now go make with it what you will. But how have you guys found, whether it be in your teaching and your discipleship, that you've been able to kind of tackle some of these things and kind of open up some people's eyes to um, what what's being thrown at them and how to mm-hmm. kind of move through it. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take the first word on that? 
Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think that that's one of the reasons I read the book. It was because I, I want to start myself, educate myself initially. And I think I would encourage our church members to do the same. Like, um, um, not, not necessarily just read this book, but, but you know, do, do some sort of work on, on educating yourself in this area. Um, for, for someone specifically, you know, uh, walking through a journey of, 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 questioning their sexual identity, uh, particularly a younger person, you know, that's something, you know, I'm growing into as a pastor, quite honestly. I mean, like, mm-hmm. we, we just started our church. Uh, we haven't, we haven't run it, a, into it uh, um, on a one-on-one basis yet, but I'm sort of preparing my heart and mind for it because uh, it is just going to be a feature of our day-to-day pastoring over the next 10 years, like I said. But uh, for, for me, like, you know, as I've prepared my heart to walk with, with people in, in this area, particularly in sexual expression, it has to be what, what Jake was just saying, that, that firm um, uh, holding to truth but in a way that is so radically loving and caring. So to get practical with it, it's like, you know, if someone is struggling, do, do, do they know if they can call you at 3 a.m. that you would answer your phone, you know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> answer your, answering your phone at 3 a.m. right now or answering your phone at all is a at radical all. act of love <laughs> these days, right? It's like, dude, if I answer your phone call, I mean, like, you know, I am yeah. like Christ at that point in your life. So I, I, I think, you know, I lost you guys. Hello. Hello. Yeah, sorry. I lost you. You there? Hello. That was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, hey, you guys there? Hello. Yes. I don't know what happened. It just shut down. Oh, but so we're good. It's, it looked like it didn't even stop recording. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Crazy. But yeah, so I, I, I think up the phone. I, I, you're picking up the phone, actually being there for people. It's so rare now uh, that, that that is sort of a radical act of. Uh, of <laughs> of love and devotion of actually caring for people relationally the fact the face to face thing there's so much digital screen shouting right now i think if we can just sit down with one another mm-hmm. and and do life with one another i think that's the best way to approach this issue with somebody mm-hmm. yeah i think you're you're totally right um i always tend to err on the side of uh i guess maybe being perceived as a little more truthful a little less loving um but that's only because i believe that truth is the best way to love um, so I, I think past, pastorally, uh, it's absolutely that. Um, and, and it's also making good use of our, our pulpit. Um, and I think similar to what you said at the start about Carl's tone in the book, it's not, it's not going on a polemic. It's, um, I think just faithful teaching. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to be, uh, an un, un, no one wants to be a cog in a machine, not realizing that they're a cog in a machine. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Nobody wants to be a fish swimming in waters, not even knowing that they were a fish swimming in waters. So, like, to me, it's helpful to help people go like, "Yo, the way that our society thinks is just—it is the logical conclusion of centuries of philosophical thought." Like, we haven't gotten here because we are so "quote unquote" progressive, mm-hmm. and you know, the result of some twenty-year-long culture war that's just now yes coming to the surface. Yes. Like yeah. the long march through the institutions was intentional and it worked. And people think the way they do because of that long march. Um, and because of the the uh, political and philosophical thought that even goes be- before that. So I think helping people to see that, to me, that's liberating to go like, oh, okay. It doesn't make me a bigot to think differently. It actually just makes me a Christian. <laughs> right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think I- using, go ahead. 
Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, and, and, and also realizing too that the most loving things that we can say as Christians are still going to be perceived as, like you said, wicked, evil, yeah. uh, bigoted. So we have to be aware of that. You know, uh, you, you know, for example, you know, if, if, if someone uh, uh, is, is dealing with same-sex attract, attraction, if, mm-hmm. if you try to empathize with them in the terms of, hey, I have, I have areas of sin in my life too, mm-hmm. this, the, the premise of that, yes. uh, you say, are People. you calling me a sinner? You know, yeah, like, exactly. uh, so, so, so like we're always <laughs> as loving as we can be. That's why it has to be wrapped in that relational kind of mm-hmm. commitment and, hey, I'm there. But but even the even the, the kindest thing you can say is going to be perceived as as evil. Yeah, and I think just doctrinally, like, um, okay, so this is a cool thing. I heard uh, uh, Mark Clark say this recently. Um, There's a pastor of a church up in Vancouver who uh, was a staunch atheist, got saved, and now mm. has like a real passion for apologetics. Mm. One of the things that he talks about in in terms of effective preaching is when you have an opportunity and a message to to zoom out and draw a correlation to like uh, uh, a church doctrine, do that. Help people see and understand what the church has always believed Mm. um, so that they don't think we're preaching in a reactionary style to, you know, the things that are happening in society and help them. I think it's what we've been talking about over the last 18 months, like helping Christians understand the Bible um, and uh, to a certain degree, helping helping people understand church history and church tradition and church doctrine, things that have been formed over the last two centuries that Christians in general have had consensus upon, um, I think is really helpful because uh, it shows people that we are part of something really big mm-hmm. um, and we're not the first people to go through these kinds of issues. They might be uniquely expressed in our time, but they're, they're old issues just rehearsed. Um, and the church has always had answers to these things um, because the Bible has always had answers to these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Man, this was great. Thank you, guys. It was so a great, fun. great conversation. Thanks, you guys, it was fun. Jack, man, thanks for jumping on with us. And where can people find you? So they can find you on Instagram, Jack Mooring. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a non-Brother Terry Instagram? Yeah, yeah. I have my, my just normal human. Uh, uh, normal human <laughs> Instagram? Instagram. <laughs> uh, yeah, just Brother Terry. Jack Mooring. Act Jack Mooring. Brother Terry is your metaverse. It's your meta. Yeah, it's your exactly metaverse right. character. So true. Um, awesome, Amy. We'll have to have you back on for sure. And uh, thanks for doing this, man. Dude, I, I, I would love that, man. And love, love what you guys are doing. Keep it up, man. Thanks, thanks man. Jack. You too. Talk to you soon. Awesome. Bless you guys. Bye.